Welcome to the Chad and Cheese Show, HR's most dangerous podcast. My name is Chad Sowash. Uh, unfortunately, Mr. Joel Cheeseman is not here to, uh, to join us, although I do have, get ready, give it up for Mr. Jim Stroud. Jim Stroud, everybody. Woohoo! There he is. Everybody knows him. And if you, don't know Mr. if you don't know Mr. Jim Stroud, get out of that closet. Get out of the fetal position because the man is uh, a sourcing hero of sorts. And we brought him on the uh, show today to talk about uh, a little bit of the automation side of the house that we had uh, last week, but more focused on recruiting, talent acquisition, and all of that fun stuff. So that's what today's show is going to be about. Before we go there, let's learn a little bit about uh, America's Job Exchange. America's Job Exchange is celebrating our 10th year as an industry leader in diversity recruitment and OFCCP compliance. We've been helping our 1,000-plus customers comply with OFCCP regulations that directly support positive and effective diversity recruitment designed to attract and convert veterans, individuals with disabilities, women, and minorities, and empower employers to pursue and track active outreach with their local community-based organizations. Want to learn more? Call us at 866-926-6284 or visit us at www.americasjobexchange.com. Excellent. Thanks, America's Job Exchange, for, for your support. Now, Mr. Jim Stroud, give me a little, little bit about you. And just in case somebody's out there that's listening, they've been in a closet for, for, for years. They don't know who this Jim Stroud is. Who is Jim Stroud? Well, um, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> let's say for the past decade or so, um, I've been involved in uh, sourcing, lead generation strategies, social media recruiting, video production, podcasting, online research, a little bit of competitive intelligence, community management and training, uh, consulted for such companies as Microsoft, Google, MCI, Siemens, uh, Bernard Hodes Group, and a host of startup companies, presently serving my beloved employer, Rancet SourceRight, as the global head of sourcing and recruiting strategy where I alleviate the sourcing headaches of Randstad clients worldwide with data and imagination. It's the best job ever! Every single day. One thing that Jim didn't tell you, one thing Jim didn't tell you, he is a comic nerd. Woo-hoo! So am I. Jim and I, we, we flash back and forth on Facebook every now and again on Facebook Messenger and share some of the new comic news. So we're going to do a quick segment called Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down, mm. and we're going to be talking about some really cool stuff. So first and foremost, Jim, thumbs up or thumbs down on The Iron Fist on Netflix? I'm going to give it thumbs up, although I think it does, it could have some room for improvement, but I still will give it a thumbs up. It's hard, it's hard to come right after Luke Cage, right? Yes. And Luke Cage was amazing. You've got awesome. Daredevil, Jessica Jones, which is amazingly dark. Then you've got Luke Cage, which is just awesome. And then you've got Danny Rand, who is, he's, you know, he's kind of boring to a point, but he's got some really cool superhero uh, chops. Yeah. Um, what about the, the new Justice League trailer? I'll give the trailer an enthusiastic thumbs up. But I'm cautiously optimistic because I was very enthused about Batman vs. Superman and I did not feel that it met up to what it promised in the trailer. It's hard. Yeah. It's really hard to meet up to expectations for Batman versus Superman. That is incredibly hard. Although, 
Gal Gadot. Yeah. I'm saying girl power, Wonder Woman power mm. to the nth degree. Mm. She is going to be the cornerstone of, of this flick. Um, okay, and this is, <clears throat> I know, one of your favorites. Spider-Man Homecoming. Ooh, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Excellent. Yeah, no, we're... We're, we're big Marvel fans. I mean, we love DC, but we, we, we love our Marvel. Oh, yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and let's let's jump into some some uh, of last week's episode. I want to get some some uh, some banter from you on automation. So we talked about, and you heard, because, you know, you had a chance to listen, I'm sure. Yes. Um, everyone listens to your podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone. Everyone. Um, we listened, we listened, or we actually talked about manufacturing automation, and how really, you know, we take a look at manufacturing jobs and we hear the politicians and, and we feel like, you know, the jobs are going away and they're going overseas. But we actually show data and Ball State has showed data that 88% um, of those jobs actually went to robots in mm-hmm. the period of 2006 to 2013. I mean, that's, that's a huge number. Yeah. So from a manufacturing standpoint, and from a losing job standpoint, do you think our perception is way off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, was look, reading an article on Recode um, earlier today, and they were quoting a study that, uh, what was the name of uh, the, the National Bureau of Economic Research, they did this, it's a think tank, and they did this study, and they were able mm-hmm. to prove with their study that uh, between 1990 and 2007, when one or more uh, industrial robots were introduced to the workforce, it led to, uh-huh. to the elimination of six jobs within a local area where people commute for work. So every time you have a robot come in, six jobs go out uh, that humans can do based on their study. That is interesting because when I, when I read that, it tells me I don't necessarily have to worry about outsourcing because let's say Apple and, uh, it, it brings in uh, their factories and they're going to start building new factories here in the States, I understand as well. Um, yeah. uh-huh. But... Whether they're here or whether they're in India if they st- or China, if they're going to uh, manufacture on a large scale, which I can presume they would be, robots are going to be entered right. in. So I still think oh, yeah. we're still going to have some issues um, simply because companies will always want to save money and increase those profit margins. And nothing can increase those profit margins like having a robot over a human. Yeah. There's, well, there's no question. I mean, and, and again, from, from last week's episode, as we talk about dealing with humans, sometimes humans just suck, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, they, 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 they cost money, they've got leave they got to take, vacation. I mean, robots are, I mean, they're there. They might need a little oil, a uh, little, little TLC every now and again. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's what companies are looking for. They're looking at bottom line overall. And that leads me to the my next point of conversation is we talked about Uber, and I believe it's Auto, who actually delivered 50,000 cans of Budweiser <laughs> yeah. in, in, in an autonomous vehicle, right? An autonomous truck. And I said last week, I think it was a level one or level two, but it actually wasn't. It was a, a, a level three to level four autonomous vehicle. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's amazing because if you think about it, we have one of our biggest issues that we have, you know this as, as well as I do, is when we're dealing with our clients or we're talking to companies, um, in many cases on the logistics side, we have issues with drivers yep. and getting drivers, CDLs and so on and so forth into those, into, those, uh, into those seats, butts and seats so that they can actually drive. And if technology can do it, what does that mean for the human beings? 
Very, very good question. And actually, as you said that, I was thinking about um, Uber prior to the call because I don't know if you saw this in the news. There was an accident involving one of their robot cars um, up in, I think it was Arizona, I think okay. it was. And, um, okay. But no one was hurt uh, seriously in the accident, but nevertheless, there was an accident. And so when I saw that, I, I wondered a couple of things. I said, okay, who was at fault? Um, I didn't get I didn't see a chance to read the, the police report to see if it was a malfunction or somebody uh, jumped out there or whatever the case may be. But it made me wonder, mm -hmm. OK, if there was a, a, a crash by a robot car, not just Uber, any robot car, um, right. whose fault would it be? Would it be the car uh, that the Uber stopped uh, running into and, and some, made another car back into it? Is, is it human error mm -hmm. or is it a machine right. error? If it's a machine error, do you blame the car or do you blame the person who built the car, who made it autonomous? Yeah. You know. Uh -huh. So is it uh -huh. the company? Is it the programmer, or is it the human being who's driving the car next to them that the Uber crashed into? You know, I, I think that yeah. the autonomous vehicle um, phenomenon is amazing. I think it's definitely uh, the wave of the future. But I think we still have to wrestle with certain questions of legality and responsibility. I mean, who's accountable when something goes wrong? Yeah, no, well, there's no question. And the, the biggest issue that we're seeing, especially with, I mean, because Moore's mm. Law, right? And we're talking about exponential growth in technology, right? And I mean, it's growing so fast that human behavior can't keep up with it. Regulations mm. can't keep up with it. So that's really the point in, of the matter right there is, how do we regulate things that we don't really even understand yet because we haven't caught up, especially, I mean, are you kidding me? Government, federal government to understand something <laughs> like this? Yeah. So government and regulations, I'm, I'm reading a book right now by Thomas Friedman called Thank You For Being Late. And this is one of the things they talk mm. about is that exp exponential growth in technology and um, being able to, from a human behavior and pretty much coping standpoint, to be able to keep up with it. Um, so you're 100% right when it comes to that. I'm going to read a little little excerpt here from Mr. Joel Cheeseman. He put out a, uh, a uh, uh, article earlier today um, about uh, automation and truck drivers and really drivers mm. overall. And it says, uh, in the next decade, robots can replace 1.7 million American truckers. Wow. A workforce that represents at least – yeah, I mean – that's a huge yeah. workforce, right? And then there's an additional 1.7 million drivers of taxis, buses, and delivery vehicles. Hmm. Okay. So again, you know, we rush, and one of the things that you know we're great at when it comes to innovation is we're looking for solutions to the problem. Uh, the solution is we, you know, hey, we don't have enough butts to put in these truck seats to be able to drive them, although our problem's going to change very quickly if we make all those vehicles autonomous because we're going to put a bunch of truckers out Ooh, let me make a prediction there. We're going to see um, a big tug of war between business and politicians, and this is what, this is what I mean by that. With business, mm -hmm. automated, truck, uh, automated trucks saves the company money, and that's a wonderful thing. Right. Um, but on the other hand, it's going to displace, like you said, 1.7 million people. Now... That is unfortunate, but what's unfortunate for the big businesses who will be, no doubt, using these automation whenever possible is that these robots do not vote. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and those 1.7 million yes. people who are displaced yes. do yes. vote. So what I anticipate exactly. happening 
is that there are going to be some legal and regulatory hurdles that these uh, autonomous vehicles, mm -hmm. these autonomous trucks will have to overcome. Um, there's going to have to be some payola. Yeah. There's going to have to be some heavy-duty oh. lobbying. Yeah. And uh, it's going to it's gonna be a lot of uh, spin cycle going on uh, between the politicians mm -hmm. and the voters because when their people and their districts are out of work and, and then the politician says, I just gave, I just re removed a legal hurdle so we can have more autonomous vehicles, they're not going to be reelected. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a huge tug of war back and forth. And I think that is what's going to slow down the adoption of autonomous vehicles in the short run um, across the board. You know, when people start losing their jobs and complaining to politicians, it's yeah. going to slow down uh, that progress. We have to look at the impact. We have to look at the impact in front of us, not right, you know, right in front of us, but but years, years in front of us. So the, the trucking industry is a seven billion dollar industry. A third of the cost go to compensating drivers. Yep. OK, so if I'm a company and I'm looking to actually save money to be more efficient, to be able to, to, to boost, you know, my my uh, my margin, all that other fun stuff. Um, it just mm -hmm. makes sense, right? It just makes sense, but the, but but you're a hundred percent correct. Robots can't vote, um, and I think you know what we saw in the last elections. What we're going to see in, in mm. coming elections is that as these types of as these as these types of um, automation, uh, AI, whatever it is, comes to pretty much take jobs, um, you know, you're going to start to really flare up many different sets of the base. It's not just going to be on the right. It's going to be right, left, in, in, in the center. So um, hopefully, hopefully, uh, we'll be able to, to unite this nation as opposed to divide it, not, not around Sure, and one more prediction, too. Um, although I think, uh, surely, legal and regulatory hurdles will slow down some of the progress. The other hurdle that I think that businesses will have to deal with, and I guess it depends on the size of the enterprise, it's the cost of the robots. Mm -hmm. Although it's, it's very attractive okay. to have one robot replace six people, you know, and that's a lot of savings there. Buying that robot initially is going to be expensive um, to, to the company. And then they also have to consider the cost of maintaining the robot. Because even though robots can go 24-7, uh, they are machines and they do break down and there are glitches and so forth. So uh, they got to consider the cost of maintenance too factored in there. Yeah, well, they already have maintenance people. I mean, if we're ta just talking mm. manufacturing-wise, right? So they already have ma maintenance people on the ground. So, I mean, it's it's kind of like you're shifting from, you know, one piece of machinery to another piece of machinery. Um, so I, I, maybe your maintenance staff, you know, you, you bulk up your maintenance staff. Maybe you don't need to. I don't know. It depends on the efficiencies. Yeah, but um, but good, good, good. No, 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 I'm go sorry. Ahead, the only thing I was going to add to that before we go into the next segment is that um, even, even if they double up their maintenance uh, on the robots, yeah. I'm wondering how many people mm. at this point, thinking totally as a recruiter, how many people at this point have the skills to upkeep these robot maintenance people? Because if people aren't learning the skills that are needed to keep up with these robots mm -hmm. as far as fixing them and that kind of stuff, right. it's, it's going to be a, a recruiting mm -hmm. problem, which is good for yeah. recruiters. Well, I, best yeah, I... I think I really believe that companies need to start putting more money into um, into education, oh, yeah. and, and we've seen that in some cases um, because you know when you go to a university and you see a newly minted you know college 
student come out and they're newly minted, ready for the world. They're mm-hmm. not ready. I mean, they're not ready. Um, but they need to be. They need to be molded. Obviously, in the university, but they also have to have some molding from the companies and what the companies need. And that's you know, and, and companies are going to have to put yeah. some money into that. There's no yeah. question. That's that, that's a that's a that's a big conversation I want to have another day. So that being said, have you ever heard of Beyond.com? I think so. <laughs> well, we're going to okay. talk about it a little bit. Here we go. Recruitment is an interesting space. We all say we're looking for a cool, new, fresh source of talent. Meanwhile, we keep going back to the same old sites and sources again and again. So here's something you may not have tried. Beyond's Flex Plan. Beyond.com is a powerhouse with over 56 million job seekers and huge site traffic. They've helped thousands of companies connect with talent through job advertising, resume search, email marketing, text recruiting, and more. Beyond's Flex Plan gives you targeted exposure for all your jobs for one low, flat rate. Here's how it works. You tell Beyond how many jobs you have, and Beyond gives you one simple price to market all of your jobs in its diverse network. Beyond pulls the jobs right from your career site and uses an algorithm to target the right talent. No messy cost per click and monthly budgets and such. Just set it and forget it. And here's a Chad and Cheese podcast special. Try Beyond's Flex Plan Trial Package. It's a three-month, full-service trial at 80% off of their Flex Plan rate. 80% off. Just go to beyond.com slash cheddar to learn more. That's beyond.com slash C-H-E-D-D-A-R. 80% off, Jim. Very nice. Very nice. 80% off. Yeah, I, Beyond, they're, they're out there. They definitely want it. Um, and they talked about algorithm. Mm-hmm. You heard that, right? There's so much happening around the quote unquote algorithm. And the next thing that I want to talk about, and this is really the meat mm. of the conversation, is SourceCon, oh, yeah. right? And the challenge, I mean, first and foremost, give a quick you know explanation of what SourceCon is. And then let's talk about the challenge that just... That sure, just SourceCon is the premier sourcing conference. Before anyone had a conference about sourcing, SourceCon was first. Uh, they're actually going to be celebrating their 10-year uh, anniversary later on this year uh, at a conference in, in Austin uh, where I'll be speaking. So I'm really pumped uh, to celebrate the 10-year anniversary there. Um, this SourceCon is being held twice a year. Uh, so the one in the fall is where, is where we'll be celebrating uh, the 10-year anniversary. But the one that we had in the spring uh, uh, was uh, awesome. We had a human versus machine competition, and in that human versus machine competition, the contest was pretty much like this. There were online 8,000 or so resumes zipped up, and there also was another file of, uh, I think, three jobs. And so the, the um, challenge was to download 8,000 resumes, uh, look at the three jobs that we were looking mm-hmm. to fill, and then find the people who were actually hired out of those 8,000 resumes that matched uh, those jobs. And you receive points if you found the person that was actually hired. Uh, you got points if you found people who were okay. interviewed. Uh, you found people who were actually sourced okay. initially by the sourcer. Uh, we had eight people um, compete. Uh, it, it came down to three winners. There was a third place winner. There were two people tied for second place. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There were two people tied for second place and uh, a human won the first place. Uh, 
but in third place was the machine, uh, an artificial intelligence from a company called Bryland. And uh, although we celebrated that humans beat the machine uh, in this challenge, it was somewhat of a hollow victory to some because uh, the humans worked on the challenge anywhere from four hours on the low end to 25 hours, uh, which is what the, the uh, winner spent to meet the challenge. And of course, the artificial intelligence uh, from Bryland took a staggering 3.2 seconds <laughs> to do the job. And although he came Dude. in third, three point two seconds. Yeah. And so that, that really um, had everybody go, huh. It was, it was sort of surreal. Like, like, yeah, I beat. I spent 25 hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So, again, you know, I, I, I kind of hearken back to, remember, IBM's uh, mm. Deep Blue and playing against uh, Oh, yeah, Chess Kasparov. Champion. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, yeah, exactly. So the grandmaster in chess and whatnot. And in 1997, Deep Blue beat Kasparov. And, I mean, it was, it was interesting because they had several matches up until then, and Kasparov, uh, you know, would beat Deep Blue. But the next thing you know, the human mm-hmm. lost. Um, you know, I kind of kind of harkened back to that, and I looked at I looked at the, the 3.2 seconds, and then I actually I reached out to Brylant, the mm. CEO over there, and uh, talked to him a little bit about uh, about uh, the the technology, and um, you know, I, you're you're 100 correct. I'm not sure that that third was really a, a, a third place <laughs> yeah. after 3.2 seconds. Yeah, it's kind of subjective um, there. Uh, yeah. Because I mean, think of it from this standpoint, and and so you're mm. familiar with the technology, right? The the brown te- mm-hmm. technology. Um, I mean, it, it can go out and and use many mm-hmm. sources uh, for for resumes. Dive into those those sources, much like it did with that zipped up uh, eight to nine thousand resumes that you had there. But that was three point yeah. two seconds. Let it go out there and hit hundreds of thousands, millions of resumes zip through them and then bring back individuals who actually make sense. Now, whether that's in your applicant tracking system or it's out on the web, tell me how, tell me how scary that is when we're talking very about scary. And to their credit, uh, we, well, we're, the, the contest was to find the, the exact hire. Now, although they didn't find, um, they, they, didn't, they didn't rack up the, as any points as the winner did, uh, they still brought back some pretty compelling candidates. Uh, so that's not to say that the company that made that to hire wouldn't have hired the person, the people that Bryant's uh, artificial intelligence uh, returned. It's just that they found some candidates that were not hired, but they still was pretty compelling uh, people that Bryant brought back. So, oh yeah. So this, I mean, so we take a look at now. I'm I'm, I'm looking at the Michael Tresha's. I hope I'm saying his last name right. Um, his uh, article that he published uh, earlier this month on the 22nd of March called Will Robots Replace mm. Recruiters? And, you know, there's some, some very good pieces of it. And the first, he breaks it down to pre, pre-screening, scheduling, and evaluation. And it sounds like, from a pre-screening standpoint, um, we're either there or we're pretty darn close from an AI yeah. standpoint. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. We, like, um, Rensat SourceRite has an investment arm. And one of the companies we invested in is a company called Wade and Wendy. And I can't go into detail of the stuff they're working on, but uh, if you were to see some of the things they had, <laughs> you'd say, wow, we are, pretty cl- <laughs> we are pretty close in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, then you take, okay, so that's sourcing. And we, we go back to truck drivers and individuals who are working on, uh, mm. you know, manufacturing, right? So how many how many sourcers do you have at Ramside Source right now? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and throughout the United States, and let's just take, just, let's take a look at mm -hmm. global staffing, right? Just global staffing. Um, when you've got a piece of technology that can do something like this, um, taking that next step, which would you know be the scheduling step, right? So you you found you found your individuals who meet the actual matrix or the, the talent targets that you want, getting them scheduled being the next step, right? Reaching out, getting them scheduled. I mean, there are already technologies like Calendly mm -hmm. that's out there now that you can show. You know where where uh, opportunities to, to actual schedule uh, schedule appointments very easily. Um, I mean that's that's like the next step. So you start taking a look at then evaluation. You've got higher view, right? And then you've got all these things that you can start to plug in. You know my question is for a guy who is so good at his job and has been doing this for so long. Does this not just scare you? It. Um, I would I can I would say no only because. I see it coming and I can prepare for it. You know, back in the day when I was just starting sourcing, you, the, the, the sourcing team was you uh -huh. had uh, someone who's a typer, basically just find the leads and then pass it on to somebody who was a talker who would actually talk to the candidate, warm them up mm -hmm. and get them, get, them, get them hired and so on. Nowadays, it seems like uh -huh. you need a typist, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, a sourcer, uh, who just go out and find the information, and then they would get it from, they would uh, qualify that person, make sure they're interested, and then pass it on to someone who will um, speak to the candidate, warm them up. So whereas before it was uh, one typer and one talker, uh, now you have one typer and supporting four or more people because it's so much easier to find candidates uh, in bulk than it was way back when when I was uh, beginning. But why uh, these, this does mm -hmm. not scare me is because as much as we can do, as much of the labor that we can do with machines, as much as we can automate it, there's some things that machines just cannot do. Um, and so I think that uh, people who are in the industry, especially if you're sourcing and recruiting, you should focus more on what machines cannot do, um, but not step away from machines because they definitely add a, add a value. And what I mean by that is, Say you have uh, a Bryant and is able to find these candidates in 3.2 seconds. You know, you still have to talk to them. You uh -huh. know? And I think that although machines can mimic human behavior to an extent, and I've seen some really interesting examples from Wade and Wendy and in other places uh, where this happens, um, it's still not, no, a machine is still not totally, totally human. I mean, it can't understand human behavior to the nth degree. Uh, robots don't have common sense. They can't empathize. I mean, they can make things personal. They can right. personalize communication. Mm -hmm. um, say, for example, um, uh, Amazon sends you an email that says, oh, I see that you returned uh, this ring you bought. Um, here are some other rings that you might like. You know, and they'll call me by my name. So, Jim, here's some other rings you might right, like. Right, right, right. Where, whereas, yeah, whereas a human being might say, Oh, sir, I'm so sorry that you returned this engagement ring. If we can do anything to help you in the future, please let us know. But again, so sorry that you returned the engagement ring because there's obviously a story behind that. So a human being would see, would read between the lines and, and react that way, and a machine just wouldn't, you know. Um, 
Well, here's 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 the thing though, and we're thinking about us and how mm-hmm. we were Gen Xers, right? And we think about how we actually yep. engage with people. What about millennials? Millennials yeah. don't like making phone calls. Millennials right. want text messages. Right. They want Snapchats. They want all these things that are not. Yep. Human. If you look up on Google, uh, millennials losing interpersonal skills, you'll see a lot of articles. You'll uh-huh. see some research, and oh, yeah. I think. That is actually one of the stumbling blocks that's going, that's going to happen in the near future uh, when companies like, like mine, Rancid Source, right, or any other um, company in the recruiting field wants to recruit additional sources and recruiters. They're going to be looking for people who have empathy, people who can, um, excuse yeah. me, have a high emotional intelligence, I think is the term that's, that's sort of popular now. Uh, basically, it comes down to can you talk to people? Can you look them in the eye? Can you have a conversation? Um, because a lot of millennials are losing that trait, you know? And I think one way to spot people who do have empathy, who can um, uh, interact with people, at least from a resume perspective, is if someone is volunteering. If someone is volunteering at a food bank or at a church or, I don't know, uh, something in, mm-hmm. with homeless or something like that, they're connecting with people, they're talking to people, they're, they're keeping their empathy. Right. And those are the kind of people I think that companies in the recruiting field uh, and, and companies just overall uh, will be looking for more and more because it proves or suggests at the very least that you still can connect with people in real life, uh, not just through a machine. Well, I think, I think this is an entirely different conversation that I would love to have on a different <sighs> show, Millennials, and how they are going to change the workforce because the things that we think interpersonal skills are, are important – I mean, that could all change with the wave of millennials. But that being said, one of the mm. things that I asked you about, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, if you've ever heard of this company called Web Clip Drop, these guys are pretty amazing. I mean, take, take a, uh, just about okay. a minute. We're going listen, to listen to them. Want a productivity tool that you can provide to your recruiters that is easy to use and instantly eliminates the busy work of recruiting? Making your recruiters two times faster on the web? Then you'll want to check out Web Clip Drop which is a browser-based productivity tool that your recruiters will love. Using Web Clip Drop, your recruiters can instantly clip any profile or resume from any site online, and then they can drop that data into your applicant tracking system, CRM, or even send a clean profile URL to hiring managers for review, saving hours of copying and pasting data, or cleaning resumes for introduction. Web Clip Drop can also find the email contact information for most professional contacts online saving you thousands of dollars in fees for paper contact sites. There's much more this powerful and simple tool can do. Check it out now at webclipdrop.io and use the promo code HIREDAILY2017, no spaces, to get an exclusive offer only for podcast listeners. Want a productivity tool that you can provide to your recruiters that is easy to use and instantly eliminates? Nice. There it is. Going in, going in the loop there. Yeah, our friends uh, Doug Berg and Peter Braskett actually uh, from Jobs to Web came up with this pretty pretty amazing tool. You guys should check it out, especially with all the recruiting my, my man sourcing and recruiting you guys do over there yep. at, at, at RSR. Um, so I want to close this up and with a with a big mm. a big question. We're talking about all this automation, and we we started to kind of get into this this discussion, but I wanted to save it till now. You know, the question is, should we automate to this extent? Should we automate to the point where we're going to be putting possibly 
1.7 million truckers out of jobs, 1.7, you know, delivery trucks, taxi drivers, so on and so forth. Um, you know, the manufacturing company, we're already seeing that. So we're seeing trends, right? And then we're seeing that, again, these types of jobs, not just the blue-collar jobs, but the white-collar jobs, even coding jobs, could be taken by algorithms, AI. So the, the big question is, you know, even though we can... I am going to say yes by telling you a story. Once upon a time... <laughs> Once upon a time... There were a group of experts in their field, and they were really great at the type of work that they did. And they thrived at it. It, it was their way of life. And then one day, some technology came around and made them um, not as valuable because the technology that came uh, empowered people with lower skills to do the same job that it took them years to master. And not only that, not only were lower skilled people doing the same jobs as the experts, uh, but they also were doing it for much lower pay. And the people got mad and they protested and they rebelled and they destroyed the machines and it took the military to come in and squash the rebellion and then life continued because progress goes on. I'm speaking, prim I'm speaking of course of something called, you look it up on Google, the Luddite Rebellion. In the 19th century, mm -hmm. uh, when new technologies like the steam engine, the cotton gin, and the spinning, uh, spinning jenny would help you make cloth, these were new technologies uh -huh. that displaced a lot of factory and textile workers. And people rebelled against it, and they, um, tried, they would break into factories, and they would destroy the technology. And it did take the military and swift justice, in some cases executions, to squash that rebellion, and then progress continued. The same thing is happening now that happened back then. People are threatened by technology, but in the end, progress will win. In the same way we're not using steam, engine, steam engines because we uh, don't want people out of work, it's the same way we're going to have autonomous cars and all these other technology things, because progress always wins, and people have to change with the times. The end. <laughs> that, that, whenever you can get a bedtime story from Jim Stroud, everybody, you, you get a bedtime story from Jim Stroud. Jim, I would like to thank you for filling in for Mr. Joel Cheeseman. He'll be back next week. And hopefully we can have you, you back on the show. Thanks so much, everybody. This has been the fourth edition of the Chad and Cheese Show. Thanks so much for listening. Subscribe, tell all your friends, push on Facebook, social media. See you next week. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain -brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.